You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to verse 18. Here begin after the reading of God's word. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness. The word translated boldness there can also mean clarity. Great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. All right? Now, the backdrop to this, what, what Paul is writing about here in Corinthians, was that when Moses went up Mount Sinai, he received the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone, and he came to, to, to the people of Israel, and they noticed that his face was shining so glorious like the sun. He, his face came shining from his encounter with God. And so Moses opted to wear a veil when interacting with the people, but he did not wear a veil whenever he was interacting with God. Now, you must understand that Moses represents the Lord, a glory that was passing away and that has now passed away, okay? But the veil was on his face, so even though that glory was fading, the people could not see that that glory was fading because he had a veil in place. Now, a new glory was coming and now is. Uh, the glory of the former is passing away and has passed away and can actually no longer be called glory in the light of the glory of the latter. Uh, the glory of the latter is the glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. The veil of Moses has been removed in Christ Jesus, so we can now behold the glory of the Lord with open face. But our pilot text says, for until this day, the same veil, that veil that has been removed, even till this day, this same veil remains unlifted. Even to, till today, a veil is on their hearts. Even today, people are still practicing Moses. Like Moses, they wear a veil whenever they come into the public space, and they wear it so much that they even forget to take it off when they go into the private space with God. Oh, I don't know whether you hear me what I'm saying. And even though the veil has been removed in Christ Jesus, for some people, the veil remains in place. Even though your freedom has been paid for, some people still remain in 
in bondage. Even though the prison gates have been opened, some people remain in prison. Why? Because they do not know. But when you know the truth, the truth will do what? Make you free. Well, I came to tell you the truth this Sunday morning. And the truth I came to tell you is that the veil has been removed. Help me tell your neighbor the veil has been removed. There's no longer any veil covering us in the mighty name of Jesus. With some attitude, tell your other neighbor, why are you wearing a veil when the veil has been removed? Mighty Father, help me. Speak through me like only you can. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As you take your seats once again, say, the veil has been removed. The veil has been removed. Hallelujah. Amen. It's been a wonderful month so far. We've been having a great time in this month. Can I get a witness? Oh, uh, yes. It says that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I need the expression of liberty in this house this Sunday morning. If this month has been a blessing to you, uh, come on, let the heavens know that you are truly grateful for what God has been doing in and through us, even in this month. Somebody shout yes. It's been a wonderful month. It's been an exhilarating journey in this month. We started by unveiling the implication of God saying that he doesn't want us to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We understood how important strength is for the reception or the actualization of our promises and our prophecy. And therefore, by faith, we receive a renewal of strength, but we understand that our strength is determined by our bread. And our bread must not just be natural bread. In fact, we must continually break the bread of life, the word of God for supernatural strength. And that's why we gather every week, every Sunday to break the supernatural bread of God's word. And by that breaking, there shall be a renewal of strength. I decree and declare even right now, whatever way you came in, to church, you are not going back the same way that you came. You are about to be refreshed. You are about to be rejuvenated. You are, your strength is about to be renewed. If you believe it, come and shout, Amen. And then we learned that we are not just flesh and bone, but rather we are created in the image and the likeness of God. And since God is a spirit, that means that you and I are also spirits. We are spirits who live in bodies and have souls. And therefore, that means that we are actually naturally supernatural. Oh, are there any naturally supernatural people under the sound of my voice who are coming to terms with the fact that God greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who are coming to terms with the fact that the supernatural is not supposed to be outreach, out of reach for them, but rather right within their hands, somebody shout, yeah. And last week we learned that God is calling us, that the call of God upon our lives is to a higher life. He's calling us yet to another level, the supernatural level, the supernatural life. But we can only access... 
this supernatural level, this supernatural life by movement from Logos to Rema, beyond Rema, into experience. So we have determined that we are not going to sit and build our tabernacle with Logos. As essential as, as Logos is, we're determined that we're going to move beyond Logos and enter into Rema, which is the revelation of God's word, God's spoken word. And as exciting as that one is, even there we will not only sit, we will move beyond that into the experience of God's word, the manifestation of God's word in our life. Is anybody ready for an experience with the word of God under the sound of my voice? If it's you I'm talking about, shout yeah! Woo! And today we're going to conclude our, our series on Revelation uh, by unveiling the glory of God like never before. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I, I want to start by simply dealing with this foundational question that a lot of believers uh, struggle with. Um, and sometimes there's a tug of war, a tussle around this question. And the question is, does God want you to have Glory. Does God want you to have glory? Help me ask you a little. Does God want you to have glory? Does God really want you to have any glory? Uh, yeah. You know, because traditionally uh, we would say God shares his glory with no one. Uh, so I can't take glory. And you know, we pious and religious uh, Christians, uh, we stand up uh, and, uh, you know, we give a testimony or we give a performance. Uh, and then once people start to applaud, we say, no, 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 I don't, I don't want any of the glory. The glory must go to God. Don't give me no glory. Uh, if I take the glory, God might get annoyed and kill me because he will share his glory. We know one. And we can be very, very, very religiously pious about that thought system. But then I read in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, verse 40 and 41, it says, there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial, oh, shakalaba, is another. Oh, Jesus, there are different types of glory. Uh, there's earthly glory, there's heavenly glory. That's what celestial means. Celestial means heavenly, terrestrial means earthly, all right? And he's telling you that the glory are different. Uh, Jesus, help me, Lord. And verse 41 says, there is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. <laughs> ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And then God whispered to me and says, everything has glory. Oh, you didn't hear me what I'm saying. I said, everything has glory. Can I go further? Everybody has glory. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell your neighbor you got glory. You got glory. <laughs> you got glory. I can see it on you. I can smell it on you. You've got some glory. <laughs> uh, some of your glory isn't so obvious, <laughs> but we still know you got glory. Everything has its own natural glory. 
Now, one of the verses we use to validate or to uh, support our hypothesis that God does not want us to have glory, neither would God ever share his glory with us, is in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8, where God said, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will give to no other. I will not give it to another, nor my praise to carved or graven images. And so we use this scripture to validate that God will not share his glory. But when we look a little bit more closely at this scripture, and particularly in the context in which he was speaking, he was speaking particularly as regards graven images and idols. And God was saying, I will not share my glory with those. Oh God. You must understand that this was Isaiah talking at a, to, to a group of people, to the Israelites that sometimes uh, good things would happen in their lives uh, and God would be the one that caused those good things to happen. Uh, and yet they would want to say that it was Baal or some other uh, ancient God that did it. And this is what God was saying, that I will not share my glory with that. Uh, you cannot say that I, what I gave you actually came from somebody else. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Uh, so when you understand that in context, uh, you see that you cannot really take that uh, and make it mean uh, a car blanche across board uh, that God does not want you uh, to have glory. Oh, yeah. I, I actually want you to let you know that God wants you to have glory. Oh, yes. Uh, listen to what God says to Ab Abraham. In Genesis in chapter 12, uh, he says... Uh, I, God says, I will make you a great nation, and I will make your name great. This is God. Do you know what it is to be great? To be great is to have glory. And God is saying, I am going to make you great. In other words, I am going to make you glorious. Uh, so if, if God didn't want us to have glory, he would not have said that the father of faith would be glorious, or that he would make the father of faith, Abraham, glorious. So no, God wants us to have glory. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me show you a little bit of a difference. The difference is uh, the people of Babel were about to build a tower unto God. Uh, and they said, let us build a tower unto, into the heavens uh, and let us make our own name great. This is the problem that God had with them. Not that they shouldn't have a great name, but that they were trying to have a great name by themselves and therefore if they were able to achieve greatness of name by themselves then they will be the source of their own glory and God would not have that God said my problem is not with your greatness my problem is with the source of your greatness I want you to be great but let the source of your greatness be me oh Jesus can I prophesy to somebody this Sunday morning and let you know you are about to come great become greater than you have ever been before once you recognize and acknowledge the source of your greatness uh, then there is no limit on how great you can become if you believe me what I'm saying come and shout yeah, yeah. Woo! hallelujah God wants you to have glory in fact God created you for glory 
<laughs> New Testament, John, John chapter 17 and verse 22. Jesus is praying. And listen to what Jesus says in the middle of his prayer. And the glory, Father, the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Jesus says, glory, I am giving you. The glory that God the Father gave me, I am giving to my own disciples that they may, may be one, just as we are one. Oh, that you will grasp this. Why does he conclude and start saying that they may be one as we are one? Because he's telling you that the source of my glory is God. The source of your glory is me. The way you continue to have glory is by remaining connected. We are one. Hallelujah. Woo! God wants you to have glory. God created you for glory. The key point is that you understand and acknowledge uh, that the glory comes from God. All right? And so we give the glory back to him uh, as an acknowledgement that he's the source of it. <laughs> so it is appropriate uh, when they applaud you on your great performance uh, that you take it for a moment and say thank you yeah I sweated yeah I, I did some work to be able to do what I'm doing but very quickly upon the acknowledgement of your effort you realize that uh, the air that you breathe <laughs> that allowed you <laughs> to be able to sweat and bleed, to put together that performance. You did not create yourself. It was actually God that gave you that breath. You couldn't have caught it in the fastest car if he were to take it away from you. So in the moment of acknowledging that indeed I worked hard to be able to do this, I still acknowledge that the only reason I can do it is because he enabled it. So all glory to God. Is there anybody ready under the sound of my voice this Sunday morning to give all glory to God? I might look good, but all glory to God. I might have it together, but all glory to God. I might be able to preach a good homily, but all glory to God. I might be able to sing and hit the note, but all glory to God. Is there anybody ready to give God the glory under the sound of my voice? Come on, give him the praise and shout hallelujah. 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 Listen to me. If you did not have glory, you would not have any glory to give God. Did you get it? If you did not have glory, you would not have any glory to give to God. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Hi. God is happy when you are glorious. Like a father is happy when his children are doing well. There's a feeling. Woo! That's my son. That's my boy. That's my girl. Hallelujah. Parents know what I'm talking about. There's just a sweetness in your soul. That that's my child. You didn't study with the child. You only told the child, read your book. But the child had to read the book by himself, right? 
The child is performing in school, singing a song, playing an instrument. Say, so that's my child. You weren't there when the child was learning the notes over and over and over again and learning the instrument. Probably you can't even play the instrument that the child is playing. But that's my child. You know why you are saying, he came from me. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Somebody give God the glory this Sunday morning. God wants you to have glory. Can I go further and really preach this thing like I want to and get into my prophetic gab and prophesy to you that there is glory ahead. There is glory ahead. After this, glory all you are going through right now, it's for glory. How do I know this? Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Oh, you need hear me what I'm saying, what I'm trying to preach to you, what you are going through right now, it's working for your glory. After this, glory. Ah, come on, tell your neighbor, after this, glory. Tell your other neighbor, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how hard, how painful it is, but it's working together for your good. It's working and exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Shall yeah! Uh, but, but, but I ha- still struggle with this verse a little bit because it says our light affliction, which is but for a moment. And I wonder what affliction is he talking about? Because the affliction I am going through, I don't know about you, I would not add the adjectives light and for a moment to describe my affliction. My affliction does not feel light. It feels very heavy. I, I'm sorry, but this is more than a moment that I've had this affliction. It's been more than five minutes. It's been more than two days. It's been more than two weeks. Oh, if I'm going to be honest with you, it's hung around me for a very long time. So I don't understand why you would describe my affliction as light and but for a moment. I'll tell you why. The reason why is because I'm comparing it. I'm comparing it with what comes after. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when the weight of glory is finally unveiled, is finally revealed in your life, you are going to have to look back on that affliction and reclassify it and say what I thought was long and heavy, I have to redefine it as light and but for a moment. If everybody, anybody believes that indeed there's an eternal weight of glory waiting for them just ahead, go ahead and give God the praise right now hallelujah hallelujah there is glory in you but it has to be revealed it has to be revealed what does it mean to be revealed revelation is talking about revealed who to be revealed is to be unveiled 
To reveal something is to take the veil off that thing. The intent of the enemy is to keep your glory hidden. In other words, to keep your glory veiled. That's the intent of the enemy. What is a veil? Help me ask your neighbor, what is a veil? What is a veil? What is a veil? Veil. What is a veil? The dictionary says, a veil is a piece of fine material worn by women to protect and conceal the face, a piece of linen or other fabric forming part of a nun's headdress, uh, resting on the head and shoulders, a thing that conceals, disguises, and obscures (laughs) something. In Jewish antiquity, the piece of precious cloth separating the sanctuary from the body of the temple or the tabernacle. Synonyms for veil include covering, cover, screen, curtain, mantle, cloak, mask, blanket, shroud, canopy, cloud, pall, dupata, perda, uh, mantilla, chador, hijab, yasmak. All these are veil. The purpose of a veil is to, oh Lord, I can't see. The veil is doing its work. The purpose of a veil is that it serves to conceal, disguise, obscure, or mask the thing. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, it separates. <laughs> a, veil, a veil affects sight. When I have a veil in place, I can't see. I can't see. No, I, I'm not totally blind. I, I can still have an idea. I can still see you kind of, but I can't see you clearly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it obscures my sight. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, it makes me not see clearly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A veil uh, tells you just enough uh, without telling you every fine detail. Oh, are you hearing me? Is anybody hearing me this Sunday morning? Oh, uh, yeah. Now, we often wear veils even when they are invisible to others. Uh, people don't realize that what we are presenting to them is a veil. Uh, uh, you know, earlier in the service, I asked you to tell, ask your neighbor, why are you wearing a veil? And your neighbor said, I ain't wearing a veil. You know, some veils are not visible for others to see, but it doesn't mean that the veil is not there. Oh, God, are you hearing me what I'm saying? Ah, uh, yes. Because we've all learned how to present a certain front to people, and it's actually a veil that is shrouding the reality of what is behind a veil. We come to church wearing veils. Uh, yeah. uh, but, but, but this veil is not just impacting what people see. It's also impacting how I see things. A veil doesn't only affect those looking at us, but it also affects how you see others. Because every time you look at others, they are looking at them through the veil. 
through the veil. Uh, a veil affects your perception of life's situations. With a veil in place, you cannot see the gain in the pain. You cannot see the glory in the story. Uh, you cannot see the testimony in the test. You cannot see the triumph in the trial because you've got a veil in place. A veil, a veil. A veil limits experience. As long as I have a veil in place, I can't kiss my bride. No matter how much I love her, I cannot kiss her through my veil. Oh, yeah. How many husbands and wives uh, still have veils in place? Uh, things they are hiding away. Oh, yeah. Uh, no wonder God said of the first husband and wife, they were naked and not ashamed. No veils in our relationship. The veil has to be removed for there to be any exhilarating experience. Ah, uh, yes. That means with a veil in place, your experiences are actually limited uh, because of the veil. A veil stops you uh, from really touching uh, what is beneath it. A veil might tell you what is beneath, but it won't let you touch it. Am I talking to anybody yet? Uh, so it might tell you uh, that there is healing, but it won't allow you uh, to touch the healing. It might tell you uh, that there's deliverance there, but it won't allow you and Engage the deliverance. It might tell you that there's a lifted, but it won't allow you experience the lifted. Am I preaching to anybody yet? It might tell you of the promise, but it denies you its fulfillment. Oh yeah. Some of you are looking at me and you're finding it a strange experience. Hearing your pastor preach from behind a veil, you're like, oh no, I don't feel this. That's exactly what a veil does. A veil hides glory. You cannot appreciate the glory of a man or a woman behind a veil. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my goodness. There's some women ah, that look like just drab behind the veil. And you're shocked if you ever got to see them without the veil. You say, I didn't know you were this fine. Can I preach to somebody this Sunday morning that the veil is about to come off you uh, and the perception that they had of you before it's going to totally turn around they're going to say oh my i didn't know you were that fine oh my i didn't know you were that anointed oh my i didn't know god's grace was upon you like that does anybody believe what i'm saying come on shout yeah yeah Oh, hey, Father, we bless you. A veil hides glory. But the earlier introduction of the veil was actually not to prevent, but to protect. It's hot under this veil. Ooh, it's hot under this veil. It's uncomfortable under this veil. Oh, Jesus, is somebody hear me? Oh, we've learned how to live with discomfort. But the earlier introduction of the veil was not to prevent. It was to 
protect. The first time we actually encounter a veil is in the beginning. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, we thought it was a punishment. It wasn't a punishment, it was actually protection and preservation. How do I know? He put a cherub in front of the Garden of Eden to protect it that they might not eat of the tree of life. Why? Because in their fallen state, if they had partaken of the tree of life, their fallen state would have become permanent and irrevocable. So he had to separate them from the tree of life. So he put a cherub in front of the garden so that they could not find the garden. In other words, the cherub was a veil. It was a veil that was protecting the garden. This is the first introduction of a veil that we see. So it wasn't supposed to punish you, it was supposed to protect you. <laughs> then symbolically when God gives the instructions about the building of the tabernacle, he tells them that they must put a veil between the holiest of all and the rest of the tabernacle. Why? Because in the holiest of all dwells the Shekinah glory of God. And the Shekinah glory of God is a dangerous thing. As we see it in the lives of the priest, the high priest only goes into the Holy of Holies once a year with the sin offering from the people. And when he goes into the Holy of Holies, he has to have a chain connected to his leg that has bells on it for those that are outside, where he goes to present the offering. And as long as the bells are jingling, they know that the priest is still alive. But if the bells were to fall silent, they know that the police, don't, oh, forgive me, he's passed away, he's died. And what, what, what happened? He, he presented an offering that was not acceptable and judgment fell upon him. And once it fell silent for a long enough time, they realized he was dead, they will now use the rope to pull him up. Nobody will go in. But nobody wants to die. They'll pull him out. So the veil wasn't to prevent, it was to protect. It was to protect from the holiness of God. It was to protect from the anointing of God. It was to protect from the judgment of God. So we put veils in place not really to prevent, but to protect. And this is, this is the challenge, because the challenge is that uh, the walls you built to protect you become, after some time, your prison walls. The things you put in place because of your past experience and what you've, put, what you've gone through, he did me bad, she did me bad. I ain't gonna let that happen to me again. Then you built these walls to protect you. And we understand the psychology of it in the immediate. But we know that at some point in time, those same walls that were meant to protect now become what is preventing you from having a blessing. Because Peter did you bad. John comes around, but the walls you built makes you see every John, Toby, and Emeka as if they were Peter. Because your veil is your past experience. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? And this we see also in our exegesis, that the veil was meant to protect, 
But after some time, what was meant to protect becomes what is preventing. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. So the veil separated us from glory because glory can also carry with it judgment. If we had been exposed to the glory in our sinful state, we would have been judged and condemned. So the veil and veils were meant to protect us from punishment, from judgment. Initially, the purpose of the veil was to protect us from judgment, but there comes a time when what was meant to protect now begins to prevent. This comes, there, there comes a time when the protective purpose of the veil is no longer needed. To keep the veil beyond this point is no longer a blessing. It now becomes a curse. Oh yeah. There comes a time when the veil must be removed. And this Sunday morning, I came to preach to you that this is the time for the veil to be removed. No, let me correct myself. The veil has actually already been removed in Christ Jesus. Somebody give God the praise. The veil has been removed. Hallelujah. Uh, if I say the veil has been removed, the question is, when was the veil removed? I'll tell you when the veil was removed. We read in the book of Matthew and chapter 27, verse 50 and 51. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold... The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. As Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross, the veil was torn, the veil was removed. Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross and in that instant as he died, the veil was removed. Uh, you don't understand what I'm saying. This was spiritually symbolic of the price being paid in full. Uh, what made stepping into the holy of holies precarious was sin. Now sin had been dealt with, with by Jesus' sacrifice. So we no longer needed to be afraid of entering the holy of holies. Oh yeah. Now we can come unashamed and unafraid into the very presence of the most high God because of the price that Jesus paid. There's no longer any need for a veil. The veil was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. If it had been from bottom to top, we would have said it was men that tore the veil. It had to be from top to bottom so that you would know that the righteous demands of a just God had been fulfilled. So God himself from heaven tore the veil. I came to preach to somebody this Sunday morning, let you know the veil has been torn on, the veil has been removed. Hallelujah. The veil stopped us from seeing certain things, but now that the veil has been removed, we can see what we could not see before. We can get revelation like we could never get it before. The veil stopped us from having certain experiences. Now that the veil has been removed, we can have life-changing experiences that totally turn around our trajectory. If anybody believes me, come and shout amen. The veil denied us access before, but now that the 
veil has been removed. We have access to the Holy of Holies and everything that Jesus Christ paid for. The veil has been removed. Somebody give God the praise. I came to preach to somebody this Sunday morning that you were never meant to remain veiled. It was only for a season, for a reason, that reason is over. It's time for you to be unveiled. It is actually an anomaly for the new you to remain veiled. The veil has been removed. Tell your neighbor, preach your neighbor. The veil has been removed. Now, in verse 18 of our pilot text, it said, Now, with unveiled face, we can behold the image of the glory of God in the mirror of his word. And the more we behold it, the more we are transformed into the same image. Oh, Jesus, help me. Hallelujah, the veil is removed. This is the problem. Many people, even though Christ has removed the veil, they still want to keep the veil in place. They've fallen in love with the veil. They like the veil. They've accessorized the veil. They've put some studded stones on the veil. They like the way it makes them look. They, they don't want to let go of it. They're drunk on old wine. They like the Lord. They don't want grace. But that devil is a liar. We've got to get the veil out of place because our true healing and emancipation is without a veil. Is there anybody that understands what I'm saying? Come and shout, yeah! Get rid of the veil. The veil is gone. Let me tell you, the only veil that remains, listen to this, the only veil that remains is the veil of an unrenewed mind. The tangible, legal veil has been removed by Christ Jesus. The only veil that remains is the one you allow in your mind by not renewing your mind to agree with the finished work. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness, you are already it. It's time for your unveiling. You were never created to remain veiled. It's time for your unveiling. You know, when we announced that the prophetic word for this month is a month of revelation or unveiling, everybody's typical spiritual mind went straight to how we're going to see Jesus in a new light, how, how Jesus is going to be unveiled to us like never before. And that is great. I agree with you. But Matthew and chapter 5, verse 4, 14 to 16 says, you are the light of the world. You, you, not Jesus now. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. Uh, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it might give light to all who are in the house. Listen to this again. I love this verse. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and Give glory to God and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So you are the light of the world. Can I tell somebody this Sunday morning, the world is waiting for you to shine your light. The whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You are not meant to be hidden. It's time for your um, unveiling. So God doesn't just want to reveal himself to you, he wants to reveal himself in you. God doesn't just want to unveil himself to you, he wants to unveil himself 
in and through you. Oh, Lord Jesus. As we behold the image of his glory as in a mirror, the mirror of his word, we are transformed into the same image. So as we are seeing him, he becomes reflected on us so that we can reflect him to our world. Can I prophesy to somebody this Sunday morning, you are about to be the light in your sector. You are about to be the light in your arena. You are about to be the light in your business. You are about to be the light in your office. You are about to be the light in your family. You are about to be the light in your associations. If it's you I'm talking about, I'm prophesying over, you better shout a good amen. It's time for your unveiling. It's time for your unveiling. You can't really see Jesus and remain the same. When we see him as he is, we become as he is. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are already as he is in our spirit. It's just been veiled. Ooh, but now the veil has been removed. Ooh. So now when we read the Old Testament, we no longer read it with a veil in place, interpreted it with legalism, looking for laws and restrictions. No, now we realize the restrictions have been lifted and that all of the Old Testament was actually speaking of the new. Whew. So the Old Testament was Christ veiled. The New Testament is Christ unveiled. And now that we are in the New Testament, when we look back at the Old Testament, we don't look at it with a veil in place. We now see that all of that was written there was actually always pointing to the amazing grace of Christ Jesus. If you believe me what I'm saying, if you understand what I'm preaching, one more time, give God the glory in this house. Woo! Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory, we give you the praise. There is no God like unto you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every veil, every veil, every veil that has been keeping you hidden. This morning, it is removed in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, it is removed in the name of Jesus every veil that has been keeping you locked down it is removed in the name of jesus every veil that hasn't allowed you to maximize your full potential potential it is removed in the name of jesus come on can i hear praying people can i hear praying people decreeing and declaring and accepting it in the name of jesus the veil is removed in the name of Jesus. I remove every limited, every restricted, every caged, every locking down veil. I decree and declare it is lifted, it is removed. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. No more veils. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The veil is removed. The veil is removed. The veil is removed. I break the yoke of that thing. I lift that burden. The veil that has been hiding you, not allowing you to get to where you're meant to get to. 
not allowing you to enter into the relationship you are meant to enter into. I decree and declare the veil is removed in Jesus' name. Sakabos, Rabalabalabos. Yes, yes, yes. Bless his holy name. <laughs> Bless his holy name. 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 <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Single person. There's been a veil in place for a long time. There's been a veil in place for a long time that causes potential suitors and partners to not see your supreme value. And therefore, they keep on passing you by. They keep on opting for another. Today, that cycle is broken. The veil is removed. And my prayer for you now is that God will give you accurate discernment. Because the suitors are going to start coming. And they're, not, they're going to come in their multiples. They're going to come more than one, more than two. They're going to come. Mark down this world. So my prayer for you is for you to have accurate discernment. To know him who the Lord has chosen. Amongst those that will come and knock on your door. Thank you, Lord. I give you the glory. I give you the praise. If you are out there, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ yet as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment. Quickly say these words of prayer after me. Lord Jesus, today I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart. I make this confession with my mouth and therefore by faith I am saved. Hallelujah! If you pray that prayer, you are indeed saved. You are born again. Go ahead and give God the praise. <laughs> Woo! Blessed be God. Hallelujah. We want to help you to grow in the Lord. So if you say that prayer, please connect with us directly. Um, send a direct message to us. Send an email to us. Follow the pathway that's on our website. And let's help you to grow in the Lord from being a child of God to becoming a mature son of God. And that you may be planted in the house of the Lord. Amen and amen. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.